Hello, listeners. <laughs> Hello, listener. <laughs> oh, hi, Ben. I'm speaking to every listener individually. Oh, like Terry Wogan. <laughs> That's what they used to tell you in, um, when you were learning how to broadcast. They say, remember when you're talking on the air, you need to imagine that you're just speaking to somebody in a pub. And I thought, that's absolute shit. You don't really spe- if you're speaking to somebody in a pub, you're very colloquial and you start swearing and, and all that kind of stuff. And you say what you really think. I always thought the best way to speak to somebody, if you're actually kind of broadcasting properly for the BBC or something like that, is to speak to them like they're sort of a, an aged aunt who's slightly hard of hearing. Oh, well, that's um, that's obviously why you had such a warm reception. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's how you speak to everyone. I'm Ben Ander. I'm a former BBC <laughs> news correspondent, crime reporter and speaker to old aunts. Down talker. <laughs> talker down the noser. <laughs> Don't talk to me about my nose. <laughs> I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a nosy parker and I make a living out of it. I want to hear more about who you are, Victoria. I am a journalist and a MILF. We'll discuss that later. God. Well, I think it should be called something else, like, I'd like to cuddle. Milk. I'm a milk. How about a mo-cut? Mother I'd like to cosy up to. Oh, that's nice. Is that actually a thing? No, I just made that up. Oh, it, it didn't even work. That's very sweet of you to say. It's a, <laughs> it's a, a mill-tut. Mum, I'd like to cosy up to. Oh, no, a milt cut. No, that makes no sense whatsoever. That's terrible. You stole my last analogy. And why would that analogy have not appeared on this podcast? I wonder. Hmm. Oh, you've forgotten it from the last podcast, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've forgotten it. Milf tray. Oh, yeah. I was going to do a range of uh, Yeah, of we're going to talk about that. We can talk about that later. But let's get on to... <laughs> oh, yes. What well, are let's, we let's going to... What's our the... biggie today? Yeah, What's our top not... story? Let's not get on to the dessert before the main course. The main course... Money for... launderers. Well, Suspected yeah, ma- money launderers. We, we, we've got a main course of money launderers and pedos. A main we've... course of money. <laughs> we've got a little um, amuse-bouche starter of Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> To follow that, we've got a crudite of local pedo. Oh yeah, we've got a, yeah. I said that. I said that was one of our main courses. Our main courses are the money launderer and the pedo, and then we've got a dessert of milf tray, and we've got the star, <laughs> starter of um, Margaret Margaret Ferrier's dirty <laughs> sandwiches. Such as such as spread. That I've could learned, be another I've, thing anyway, in our we've repertoire. Le- we've learned more about Margaret Ferrier. We've learned a bit, a bit more about why we've she made did up what she quite did. a lot. We've made up quite a lot about her and her heavy petting. And I did what I did sandwiches. for Margaret Ferrier. And Nic- we've dragged Nicola Sturgeon into the debate. <laughs> Absolutely, she takes the plunge. <laughs> so, just to remind people that about Margaret Ferrier, she's let's a, have an a small S- recap with our Graham. She's an SNP MP. <laughs> who Is that funny? Was, in, was in her constituency. She visited... Oh, she thought she had COVID symptoms. She went to get a test. She then went to the beauty salon to get her moustache waxed. We, well, we, we made that last bit up. She also went to a local... <laughs> she went, also went to a local swimming pool. She then travelled by rail from Glasgow down to London. Nope. She went right. and... Yeah, I'm, I'm here. okay? You sound like you're <laughs> having some vomit attack. <laughs> I'm not having a seizure, an old man seizure. <laughs> 
She then went to the House of Parliament. She made a speech. She had dinner with a fellow MP. She then returned. She then found out she was positive, COVID positive. But she then got on public transport and travelled all the way back to Glasgow. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And after that, she's faced mounting calls for her resignation, but is refusing to budge. And quite possibly the reason she's refusing to budge is she thinks, why the fuck should I go when that fucker Dominic Cummings, who travelled all the way to Barnard's Castle at the height of lockdown, didn't have to walk the walk. So That is I, slight conjecture. No, that's... Because okay, you I mean, hate the Cummings incident. Oh, it really annoys me. I think people yeah. should lead by example, and they really didn't in this one. That's and they very want the whole country true. To be shit, and they won't do it themselves. It's like, why can you fucking go grouse hunting, but you can't go and watch a game of cricket? Well, yeah, but to me, there's something of the Cummings about this incident with the selfie at the swimming pool. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think at the time she took the selfie in the swimming pool, she probably thought, just assumed it would be a negative COVID test, but we don't know that. Anyway, well, so... Well, she was too, she was more interested. Anyway, the fun, is... fun, fun is that she has now said why exactly she... didn't let me she... finish. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> Go on, ah! finish. Go on. Oh, no, no, I just said she was more interested in her selfie on social media. Yeah, yeah. Ella so Cummings. The fun, fun, fun is that she's now um, said that in an interview with The Sun on Sunday, she, she said that the reason that she did this is that she panicked and insisted that she followed the rules. I don't quite know how she thinks she followed the rules when she clearly didn't, but going on, she said, a lot of people say COVID makes you do things out of character. You're not thinking straight. It's like, well... Yeah, okay. I don't have a flat in London. I was thinking, am I going to get worse in a week's time or a few days' time? She said, adding that she was worried she would have to self-isolate in a hotel for two weeks. Well, tough fucking shit. That's why you shouldn't have travelled down in the first place. Okay. Has somebody taken your soapbox away? Is that why you've gone quiet? No, I'm waiting for you to respond. I'm I'm letting you finish. No, I, I just think it's hilarious. It's like, whatever next, really. But people are all getting like that about the government. Here comes my soapbox, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, just anyway, any so MP Nick... is just like, roll your eyes. Let's just, yeah. you know, whatever next. Any excuse. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, so Nicola Sturgeon has waded in as well. She says um, <sighs> that uh, she should definitely resign. She's come down quite heavy on Ferrier. Yeah, well, although the, 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 the latest is um, that according to media reports, um, she, Nicola Sturgeon was asked, why did you, did you take so long to actually remove the whip from Margaret Ferrier? Because that took a couple of days. And Nicola Sturgeon said it happened because the phone signal cut out because she was on a train. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone signal problems. Oh my she was God. suspended by the SNP following her 800-mile trip to Westminster while infected with uh. COVID-19. However, she remains a member of the party, um, with Nicola Sturgeon coming under under pressure to actually expel her from the SNP. But she has had the whip withdrawn. But it only, Eventually. That only, but that, but the, she Could was they not asked, have done it by text message? So, so, but, um, so Ian Blackford is the SNP leader at Westminster and when asked in an interview why the SNP waited more than an hour to withdraw the whip uh, Nicholas Sturgeon said well the delay was caused by uh, Ian Blackford losing his mobile phone signal while on a train so maybe by the next poddo Margaret Ferrier will have gone oh Um, right, Manny. Come yeah. on, Manny. Show us what's going on. Around £10 million of properties being surrendered in a major victory against some of Northern England's most dangerous criminals. 
the apartments and homes were given up to the National Crime Agency by a Leeds businessman who investigators suspect, oh, me with the suspect word again, suspect of being a major money launderer. The NCA says Mansour Mahmoud Hussain acted for gangsters, including a murderer and drug trafficker. The agency believes he laundered their profits through a property empire. So, where do we stand on this morally? Are your heckles rising listening to this already? <laughs> I, I just love the fact that he's known as Manny, Manny the Money Launderer. I wonder if he's Manny. in his sort of criminal circles, his nickname was Manny the Money he um so 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 the, the, what's what's amusing about i mean we you know we love it when bungling criminals get themselves caught um what we love about this one is that he managed to draw the attention of the authorities you know the tax inspectors and by extension the national crime agency because rather than just do what you know most sensible fraudulent money laundering criminals would do would be to keep a low profile keep your head down and just <laughs> quietly go about your business while amassing your um ill-gotten gains so um, now Manny Hussein, we should make it quite clear, has never been convicted of an offence because this is also he's fallen foul of some new legislation, which we're going to come on to talk about. But the reason that he was actually targeted for investigation was because he sort of hit social, he took to Twitter and hit social media with a vengeance. He engaged Max Clifford to raise his profile and Max Clifford got him into various black tie and fancy events with showbiz stars and Manny started putting on his like Twitter and stuff photos of himself with Beyonce and self, himself with Meghan Markle and himself with Simon Cowell and what's interesting is that in the, all of these photos he is considerably shorter than the celebrity he's with. Now I'm not entirely sure how tall um, Beyonce or Meghan Markle are or even Simon Cowell come to that but Everyone listening to this, you do this, you latch onto an incorrect pronunciation. And um, and then if you're listening, you'll be like, does Ben Endo have it wrong? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I, I like to say Beyonce. I like to say Lady Gaga. Why do you, why do you like to say know. Beyonce? It's I like know. I have the urge to say Bisquee. I say Bisquid. Bisquit. If I oh, have that's interesting. To have with my coffee. I don't know. I just, I, I just like having fun with words and language. Anyway, that is part of the reason. I'm glad you came. I'm quickly levering my stuff in here now because I've got a moment. Manny, on his picture, the reason I chose this story was because I saw the picture and he's there like some kind of drug lord with a big cigar and these kind of oh, shiny yeah. sunglasses. And then underneath is your favourite, Beyonce Knowles. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then all these stars and he's kind of standing on tiptoes to try and get his arm around Simon Cowell. <laughs> he's probably wearing... The, what, what kind of shoes do you think he's wearing? <laughs> you know this already. Tony Monero. What are they called? Those Cuban heels. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Monero. Is Tony Monero... Is he Saturday Night Fever, Tony Monero? I think so. <laughs> You can tell by the way he uses his walk. He's a money laundering. Crook, you can, no time Manny to talk. Monero, you can see him doing those kind of maneuvers. He looks like quite a slight chap, doesn't he? Mm. I, I, yeah, I, I think. Except I think in, 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 if they were to do a dance, it would be be Beyonce doing the lift. Well, because, maybe. And Manny's wearing the lifts. <laughs> He's wearing those little things that short men put in their shoes. Uh, the caption underneath: dot 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 and hobnobbing with Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> Hobnobbing's a good word. Either <laughs> way, if hob. you want to see his, <laughs> if you want to see his little face, little stature, um, then go to our Twitter at ydlmf. 
That's it, isn't it? At YDLMF, I tried yeah, to put yeah, podcast yeah. So, on the end, but it anyway, didn't so happen. The, but the, the, the interesting thing about this case, I suppose, in a crime point of view, first of all, he's never been convicted. He's not convicted of any crime. He's what you'd call a suspect money launderer. Um, what he fell victim to was this um, this new uh, legislation introduced in 2018 called Unexplained Wealth Orders. Now, this is something that the NCA can serve on an individual that requires them to open their books and account for all their wealth and show that it came from legitimate sources. And this is the first time this has been used for success. So what happens is uh, Manny has had to go into a negotiation with the NCA and agree to hand back various things. And what he's handed back is 45 properties, apartments, offices and homes, um, £600,000-odd pounds in cash, and the brand name Pound World, which he bought after the original chain's which demise. Which um, makes me slight, slightly excited. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> Love and a he, Pound World. But he's been let, but obviously because he hasn't been convicted, he's not been sent to prison or there's no sentence of any kind. And what he's been left with is four small properties that are still mortgaged and cash in a different bank account that wasn't part of the original investigation. So, um, and he's thought now to, according to some media reports, he's um, he's zoomed off to his place in Marbella, possibly because he wants to <laughs> steer clear of the people whose money he was supposed to be holding on to, but have, but no, actually, now been surrendered. He, he to the went cops. there to meet me. Bring, bring, okay. Manny. Hi, it's your old Marbella. friend from YDLMF here. Fancy going out for a cocktail. <laughs> so, and so far, there have been four of these uh, unexplained wealth orders. Uh, two of them are still uh, bogged down in the courts. Uh, this, this one, obviously, is the third, and a fourth one was dismissed by judges who said there was no case to answer. So, they're, you, uh, uh, they're supposed to save the public money. They're supposed to, because you know, getting getting all the evidence together to pursue somebody through the courts and actually charge them with money laundering offences, when often people's you know financial affairs, particularly in these circumstances, can be so labyrinthine and and confusing can take you know millions of pounds huge long court cases that cost millions this is seen as a as a quick way of getting to the nub of it which is basically getting the money back and what happens to all the recovered money is it's split between um you know the government the tax uh, the, the HMRC um, and the uh, NCA so they they split these so part of it funds ongoing uh, NCA investigations and part of it goes into general taxation is that accounted for then how do you mean accounted for well, do they account for those amounts? Well, this is the point. He couldn't account for them, so I suppose. No, so I mean account- when they give when they split them, like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, do, does all that get recorded, and no one can get their hand in the kitty? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know why I'm saying this? Because I used to work on the door of a West End nightclub, and they they used to take drugs off people at the door. We used to have to give some of those drugs to the police, so it was all split amongst people. So, so, so you'd seize drugs, people on you. You worked on the door. You were a bouncer. No, I took the money when I did the guest list. Oh, I didn't take the money. Actually, oh that's a lie. God, you on the guest list? I was I one of them. A, oh God, how awful you must. But have do you know? Been. Do you know how old I was? I bet you loved wielding your few ounces of power, didn't you? I was fifteen. Fifteen, and you were doing that. Well, that's illegal, isn't it? Yes, the whole thing was illegal. Okay, so, so so the door staff, let's say, including the woman with the clipboard, e.g., you, and all the sort of the, the bouncers, would be seizing drugs off people, and then what? Split them. Half goes to the cops, and half they then sell on, or they just It'd take be somebody, themselves. Some, someone at one point in the night would come yeah. round, going, "Have you made your choices? Because we're going to have to take the rest of them round there." So we would give them a fair enough amount for, to keep them happy, and then get to choose to keep stuff if we wanted. 
what just but, but would you keep it to sell it or for personal use uh for personal use oh okay so i suppose it's not too bad so it's that's not like fine. you're selling it <laughs> that's okay then Mm, that's okay then. Well, but not, you know, not... with drugs, if you end up with like a, quite a big lump of cocaine, then probably some sale will be made at some point. Oh, I don't know that about drugs. Either way, all that stuff's gone by the way. But the, the main point is, is that um, there was there were some handshakes going on there. That's why I ask about what's going on with HM. I mean, well, okay, so all of I don't think I, okay, so, so dodgy. So to extend your metaphor here, I don't mm. think it's the case that detectives from the NCA will be moving into any of Manny's old houses anytime soon. No, I don't think so. I suspect what happens is the houses are put on the market, they realise whatever price they get, houses, apartments, flats, offices, whatever, they're put on the market, they realise whatever value they are, and at the end of it, when all the money is in and all the property has been sold off, that's when the, the, the funds are split 50-50 between the NCA and central government. But I'm not well, really I sure think that's... it's an outrage. What? Well, the fact that this guy is getting away with dodgy stuff, essentially... Oh, I see what you mean. Well, I mean, I suppose this is what you call the real politic of the case, is that you could spend years trying to build a case against people like this and then it gets bogged down in the courts because it's so difficult to investigate, difficult to amass the evidence, difficult to prove, difficult to prosecute. These unexplained wealth orders are seen as a way of cutting to the chase, if you like. Yes, it does mean that someone like Manny doesn't actually go to prison, but he does lose in theory, a lot of his wealth, and a lot of that wealth is brought back in and even in a small way gets used for the greater good because it goes into general taxation. So, party round Manny's. Party round Manny's. (laughs) Off you go to Marbella then. (laughs) I know I should say Marbella, but I like saying Marbella. It's not irritating, (laughs) really. (laughs) Anyway, what's been happening in your neighborhood manny then. and marbs right yes moving on marbs. well, I, oh, well there was a bit of there was a juice there was a juicy incident near where i live uh, recently so i live on a small estate um, on the outskirts of a town in cambridgeshire there was police activity nearby um uh, a couple of streets away the other night and i looked into it and what had happened was that a group of these um sort of facebook anti-pedophile vigilantes had set a honey trap and they'd lured in uh, somebody who lives not far from where i am and what had happened was they had confronted this person live on facebook they were streaming it live and they'd said you've been sending messages to a 14 year old girl he went i haven't and so they started showing in the message he says oh yeah yeah, she was 13 Oh, okay. I thought she was 14. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) That's what a pedo might say. Anyway, (laughs) I'm thinking I've got my pedo hat on. (laughs) So so he said, well, yeah, but it was just banter. And they said, well, look, and they they said, look, you you sent this picture of your penis. And he said, well, no, I sent that, but it's not my penis. (laughs) He tried to claim it was some kind of stunt penis. (laughs) A photo he'd lifted off the web. He said cock last time. Did I say, well, okay, let's say cock then. Cock, penis, Because you said, okay, when you referred to it as a stunt cock, I laughed. <laughs> okay, so he said... I think I've said, got one of those in my cupboard. He said <laughs> he said it was a stunt cock <laughs> and not his own cock. <laughs> and I, I, which begs the question, if you are going to send a photo, a cock photo to a 14-year-old girl, <laughs> um, why would you not send your own cock? Would you, is it because you're somehow ashamed of his own cock? You also elaborated this. on the member in question. You called, he... it a, you called it a shriveled little oh. 
peanut or something. Well, you you got it. Stop reminding me what I said. You just have to say this stuff if you remember. I don't. Okay, he he might have had a shriveled little peanut. Everyone. He might have had a shriveled little peanut. He was embarrassed about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so these pedo hunters confronted him. The cops were called. And he he tried to do a runner, but didn't didn't get away. And the cops were called, and he's been arrested. And I I suppose I'm not, obviously we can't name him because proceedings are active. But I'm guessing that at some point he may be charged. But of course, again, evidence on Facebook is not necessarily evidence of wrongdoing. So oh, you forgot um, to say about the Facebook Live. Was there a Facebook Live? That, I said that they... right at the start. I said they were live streaming it. Oh, so right, all okay. this was all this was being live streamed on Facebook. And I suppose the thing that I'm slightly you saw it, didn't about, you? Yeah, late afterwards. Yeah, I watched bits of it, but it's just, mm. the thing is, what what I suppose concerns me slightly is that yes, obviously, you know, this is a, a criminal offence, and nobody should be sending indecent stuff and trying to groom fourteen-year-old children. Of course. Yeah, I'm glad that but, concerns you slightly. But this, but this guy sort of be, basically being confronted. I mean, what if they'd made a mistake? What if they'd got it wrong? What like what the if, needs of the world naming and shaming. Yeah, exactly. What what if they didn't get it right and he it, he then gets I don't know attacked or beaten up the, because the local paediatrician gets attacked. Exactly, like in in Portsmouth back in the two thousands when um, people got so angry about paedophiles they started throwing bricks through the windows. That was, wasn't that part of the news of the world naming and shaming? Possibly, yes. I think so. And then people were like, "Oh, look!" Because they put all the pictures of people and where they lived, yeah, and then some of these quite bright people took it upon themselves to go around and attack a neighbour. That's right, yeah. Oh, sorry, did I say neighbour? Maybe that's something to do with what I might be thinking about right now. <laughs> what are you thinking about? You've got trouble down your way. <gasps> there was action last night. Action and reaction. And it was it had nothing to do with a stunt cock. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, well, it might have done from the sounds of it. Oh, earlier maybe. On the, earlier on in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, all I can tell you is that I'm standing at my kitchen sink where I can see the sort of car parky bit opposite and I see this man kind of I've already heard loads of banging all afternoon and I'm thinking I keep switching because I've got the my my new ring doorbell oh potential sponsor alert um actually the ring doorbell died <laughs> so that's good so I, I look at the ring doorbell and there's nothing out there but this thing I see this man kind of like darting around and then I hear all the shouting and I look up at the same time as this guy launches himself at the door of a van which is parked in our, our spaces which are allocated to our houses here and um and just takes a good old kick at the van door really making a massive thump thinking oh I'm glad that's not mine and um and then the shouting carries on and I just go in and, and collect my little daughter and say right upstairs grab the phone and think okay here we go again I've called the police for these kind of incidents I can't tell you how many times over the past six months or so it's just an ongoing thing do you don't think the police have thought oh god it's that nosy neighbor calling again with some I think minor domestic. I think the person that had to uh, bear the brunt of responsibility for that may have said that to them. Yes, <laughs> although I've got to say that they are coming knocking on my door asking about it all at, at other occasions. So it's it ain't just me. Who's that knocking at the door? Who's that ringing the bell? <laughs> oh yes, and then oh that's a thank you very much for that little nudge there because someone banged on the door after that. Uh, and I could see that who it was. And so I'm sort of not wanting to be involved in all of this, trying to, at the same time, trying to go, and Posey and Pip 
go to each other's houses and play and stuff, reading stories in the middle of all this shouting outside and all these obscenities. So, um, yeah, that's quite a lot of live crime going on here in Plymouth. And what about your, um, un- your, your oh. less welcome new neighbours? Oh, my goodness. We have an encampment of roughly, at the last count, 26 traveller caravans. That's just over the other side of the estate. Um, so it, it, all this stuff is going on in a car park. They've made their way into the Child Support Agency car park and the Department of Work and Pensions car park, which apparently owned by different authorities or something. They've served eviction notices, which are up now, but they take a while to activate and it has to go to court. So um, these travellers are... Wreaking havoc is a bit of an understatement. You go to the supermarket, there are people up to no good in the supermarket at all hours, running around, breaking into the playgrounds locked here because of the COVID stuff. We've never used it with our children. Their children have broken all the locks, scaled the fences and keep on getting into this playground. Residents are up in arms. So amongst all of that was this incident last night, which wasn't traveller related, but the police are just patrolling here all the time. Travellers know their timings and they'll just move on. So at least uh, travellers, mm. <laughs> I bet when they go to the supermarket, they go in uh, slippers. <laughs> no, that, that's me with my foot illness <laughs> at the moment. I'm wearing my <laughs> sliders around the supermarket just to fit in. Oh, no, that's just, OK, fine. So when you say travellers, what do you mean by travellers? Who are they? Where are they from? Well, apparently, this is something I've learnt, they are not Romany gypsies. They are travellers and they, the, the accents that I've heard are Irish. So, yeah, apparently, a, so yeah. the original gypsies are Romanies and they used to have those kind of very decorated little caravans with spoked wheels and sort of like a, a canvas top and mm. horse drawn. Mm. And modern day travellers are usually from, from Ireland. You said, can you say pikey? And oh, yeah. when I did my research into it, apparently the Romany gypsies, if, if anyone knows anything to the contrary, do let us know. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. Romany gypsies call travellers pikeys. So, <laughs> so the, the Romany yeah. gypsies are sniffy about the, uh, the travellers. There's the always a pecking order, isn't there? <laughs> so a piking order. <laughs> but anyway yeah there's just constant stuff and sort of music blaring and you look out and there's, the kids are the, like the worst thing but the, what I find is I've come away from this with is because I thought Romany Gypsy I don't have a problem with people moving and having a nomadic lifestyle I think that's quite nice and I've come from you know we've all come from ancestors who are nomadic otherwise we wouldn't bother doing our ancestry stuff it's, it's interesting but when these people just you know they get further and further away from society the more people shun them the more crime they do and it's just cyclical isn't it it's an escalating situation where the more people shun them, the more they feel rejected and therefore act in a criminal way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think it's apparent from the way that the kids behave because this is learned behaviour. And the way that the residents are reacting to the kids, I've got to say, I take umbrage with that. I think it's unnecessary. They're, they are children and they are engaging in criminal activity for which they won't be punished because they're children and that's where the law lies. Um, But at the same time, I don't think you should talk about any child with, you know, violence and punishment like that. You know, what are local people saying there then? What what, what violence is being talked about? They were talking about turning hoses on them and getting some kind of, you know, like a, I don't know, air rifle and stuff like that. I, I just don't think it's right. I feel upset when I read that. So that's in amongst all this stuff. But the kids are by far, you know, there are these kind of little sapling trees that have been planted to make the area look nice and... 
they were pulling them out. So that does make me feel cross. But I think these children are kind of the victims of their parents' circumstance. Yeah, but the parents presumably were children once and they were probably victims as well. So these children who mm. are pulling up these saplings, which is, I mean, why would you pull up a sapling? Why would you pull up a small tree? I mean, that's just ludicrous. But those mm. children are going to teach that behaviour to their own children. Yep. And so, so it how do you goes stop on. that? Okay, how do you stop that then? Smarty well, pants. you do something more. <laughs> <laughs> you do something more effective than get into a cycle of court order versus appearance because they know their rights and they know that they bargain their time and they know that they can stay in that encampment for six seven days and then they've got their next earmarked and it just goes round and round I mean they have allocated fields where they can comfortably go which brings a host of other problems in itself because you've seen the fields have you where travelers have been I mean it's just revolting what's left behind sort of strewn nappies everywhere and piles of rubbish and old you know frames of bicycles and things like that it's just horrible have you seen that ben uh yeah 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 so yeah what can you do i don't know i don't know what you can do i think people have a right to a lifestyle but they just don't adhere to the rules and don't pay council tax and that seems to get everyone's backs up but that's the point isn't it i mean you know we all accept a sort of a a level of kind of rules we, we we accept rules up to a point where because we can see that okay they impinge a little bit on our personal freedom to do, to do whatever the fuck we want whenever the fuck we want to do it because it makes us all able to rub along that little bit easier so we agree to basic things like you know not making too much noise late at night and not you know ruining <laughs> things not throwing, I, I don't think you're including people from Plymouth on not throwing not throwing rubbish in the streets because that just needs to be tidied up by somebody else all these basic simple things that we kind of do just because it makes everything that little bit easier and less unpleasant for everyone and if you have a group of people who are determined not to obey the rules at all and clearly they don't want to pay tax they don't want to they want to move around they don't want to have anywhere fixed um, where they can be tracked to they want to if you like live off the grid and that causes suspicion and resentment among those people who have basically bought into the whole idea that yes you know you have a civic duty and you have responsibilities so um, the, the, the problem you've got there is how do you square the circle how do you either convince those who just want to live that nomadic lifestyle that um, they should not be quite so, um, or, or should should agree to sort of obey more of society's rules. And how do you accept? How do you get those who are, if you in inverted commas, very prim and proper, that you know being slightly more, um, you know, nomadic isn't such a bad thing after all. Well, it's it's a difficult one, and the when listening to you talking just now made me think that whether you have a, a, a roof over your head or you live in a caravan. I'm watching these people who are fighting in the street and stuff around here and they behave not dissimilarly to the travellers. You know, we've had problems. I can't eat outside because there's there's rubbish piled up, you know, smelly nappies and stuff. It's, it's, I mean, and this is like, I'm not living on a horrible place. You know, the rents are fairly high here. I'm, I'm feeling it during COVID um, times. But, uh, you know, they they live on a, on a line and at what point, because everybody is saying these people will eventually tip the scale. It's been since they moved in earlier this year. So it's been about eight months of this continual antisocial behaviour. Yet these people are living, I don't know who pays their rent, but they're living and paying rent somehow and procreating and so on. 
so they're, they're playing and every time that they get involved with the law they tell a pack of lies and and it's petty criminals isn't it and that's mm. that's something which seems in my opinion to be possible to sustain for long periods and it doesn't seem to be coming to a fruition point where they finally get nicked it's just on and on and on the thing is about petty crime is it's all petty until it actually you're a victim of it and then it becomes really not petty at all. That's when somebody true. else is a victim of it, it's petty. When you're a victim of it, it isn't. But anyway, do these people realise they have a MILF living in their midst? Well, maybe that's part of it, because there is a female amongst these individuals who, uh, let's just say, we haven't taken kindly to each other. <laughs> I was talking about you. I thought you were supposed to be this MILF. Oh, well, that's the thing. I think she doesn't like a MILF in her midst, because let's just say there is definitely a Plymouth look. There's a There's a... <laughs> Bobbly, oh, do you get them round there? There's a bobble, a hair, high hair bobble thing, um, massively overinflated lips, and um, <laughs> loads of tattoos everywhere. It tends to go with the look, and they all wear the same clothes, the high waisted jeans that are kind of short on the. Do you have that look? There? <laughs> no, I haven't. Is that no idea just what a certain? You don't. Oh my well, goodness. I mean, I, okay. I've seen that sort of where I've seen it where sort of young women often pull their hair really scraped back into a really tight bun. That's Croydon facelift. That's known as yeah, well, council house facelift. Yeah, exactly. Well, but beyond that, that is a I bit of a last resort. Um, oh, okay, that's interesting because round here, that's the look, and you, it's quite interesting that you actually can't tell young women aside from their hair colour. Oh, and they've all got um, the black marker penned eyebrows on. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yes. Oh, and these bovine eyelashes too. It's very disconcerting when they kind of turn around and face you. And so you're just like, I don't know where to look because there's all this sort of facial inflation going on. Facial inflation. Facial in, in face inflation. Mm. Yeah, but it, it kind of sends out the lower part of your face into a sort of protruding pout. Do you not have all this? Not that I notice. <laughs> you wouldn't notice. You'd be like like my dad when he saw Carol Vorderman after all her work on Countdown. He was like, I was like, oh my God, what does she look like? And he went, she looks very glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> was, but I think he's the kind of man who might be, um, poor old dad wouldn't have known the difference between... Uh, she um, looks very glamorous. I know, like Lily Savage style. He thought that was really glamorous. <laughs> Dick Emery. <laughs> You are Benny all Fleming, but I like you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You want me to cue you to talk about what a great MILF you are, and you keep moving oh, off the subject. Oh, you're trying with the MILF. Oh, cause that's because you gave the MILF the brush off oh, when, we, when I tried to talk about it before. Oh, oh, no. oh, thank you very much for your email. I won't say any names because I get in trouble when I do that. But thank you very much saying that someone's working their way through podcasts and have got to the one where I say to my friend, oh, we're such a pair of milfs. And she's like, no, don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I didn't want to be one, but it's like the, the Groucho Mark statement about member of any club. The milf <laughs> club doesn't want me. <laughs> So, yes, thank you very much for writing in and saying that I can be a MILF, even though you don't know what one is. But um, I suggest you Google that. Uh, is this your just... friend Glamorous News Lady or is that somebody different? No, it's a listener. Oh, OK. Oh, Glamorous News Lady fits that description. Fits the bill. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this person... Yeah, I, I do recommend that you, you, if you don't know what a MILF is, that you Google it, but maybe set aside a few hours that afternoon <laughs> hmm. <laughs> once you find the results. You could milf tray. 
MILF tray. Um, but do you think that's a desirable thing to be? Do you want to be a MILF? A do dilf? I want to? I don't know, really, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm certainly not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, but it's just the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, I, 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 God, I mean, I first heard the phrase MILF when a former cameraman colleague of mine, a lovely guy who I won't name, said, have you seen that thing on the internet, MILF Hunter, which was this guy who would sort of go around and basically it was porn, you know, involving MILFs. And that was the first time I'd seen the phrase MILF. Oh, so you furiously had to research the subject. Well, it, uh, well something was done furiously. <laughs> to hear of you getting furious about something oh no other than angry furious <laughs> i mean angry, intrepid angry and hel- angry and hateful do you remember steve wright in the afternoon this show my age it's still on, on he's still on radio two, two yeah. oh yeah but that's a bit like saying i remember yeah. when it was on radio one he had mr angry and all that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i enjoyed mr angry i thought it was really good but like you said you are showing your age Richard Bacon had a, an element on his Five Live programme when I was there, which was called The Moaning. Can you imagine how much Mitzi <laughs> loved that? <laughs> Richard Bacon, you're a brilliant broadcaster. I have to say, I think Richard Bacon is really good. Might give him a little shout. Well, I did shout give at. him a little shout. shout but, at. Uh, a bigger nudge with a sledgehammer later. Yes. Absolutely, a shout out to Bacon. I think that's it, isn't it? I think we're done for this week. This this show with I think this show is just about done. We've talked about glamorous news lady. We've shouted no, out to people. No, 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 we haven't because glamorous oh. news lady sympathised with you, Ben. Andrew. She sympathised with me. Yeah. What she about? She said, "Oh, this is so great. We can do two podcasts with exactly the same subject matter, and you completely forget the last one." <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> um, she said that uh, she had to, she was in charge of sending someone out to go and interview Ken Clark, of all people, <laughs> and they thrice failed to do so. And then when they turned, no, he turned up on the third occasion and bungled it. And then Kenneth Clark turned around and said, just piss off. Was, is this a finger problem? <laughs> oh, it's the same problem as uh, we've had the past couple of podcasts now hasn't it been uh, well your... uh, i think it's not just me is it <laughs> blankety blank blankety blank <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry there you go there was a sorry oh thank you but no but i mean i really the thing is this it. happens to everybody every broadcaster every broadcaster you know and i know and us as well has gone out to do an interview and has done something wrong and has come back and thought, oh, shit, there's nothing there. Either you record the wrong source or you forget to press play at all. All sorts of things can go wrong. Or you, I mean, you used to have reel-to-reel with them, like little bits of um, splicing tape in that wouldn't record, and that was really annoying. So there's all sorts of things that would have to happen. Mm, have I don't to go know. Back I think there's say, a slight difference. Your finger again, failing to play, press record is quite different from actually <laughs> pressing record and then yes. having an empty bucket. That is true. And anyway, when you went there, the cupboard was bare. <laughs> Mitzi's cupboard was depleted. <laughs> no, do you know what was really audio. annoying? We had a podcast. It's just missing the middle. It's like a polo podcast. <laughs> well, the middle was the worst <laughs> bit. It was a gruyere of podcast. You could just, just sandwich it. <laughs> it's, it's like when you go to, to a restaurant and you don't want to have a main course, you have a starter and a dessert. Do you do that? No, never. I'm not keen on sweets. Sometimes, not so much recently, because I've got middle-aged man sweet tooth now, so I don't mind sweets as much as I used to. But in um, certainly in my 20s and thir- early 30s, I'd often... If I went out for a meal with somebody and they had a main course and a dessert, I'd have a main course. And then instead of a dessert, I'd have a starter because I've always preferred savoury to sweet. Some might even say salty. Salty. Yeah, I'm a bit salty. 
Oh, well, that's fascinating, Ben. But <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> I'd like to say a big shout to everyone who's got involved with us. We've had a lot of lovely support and, and some fun emails. So thank you very much for that. And all our colleagues who continue to uphold the world of podcasting. Thank you. And I'd just like to point out to all those colleagues that we're top of the pops on podcast radio. Uh, we don't know what that means. I know what that means. I means I'm, it means I'm just running with the glory. We don't <laughs> question where it came from. Yeah, yes. <laughs> In a long career of, of winning various spurious awards, you've learned never to ask too many questions about exactly how they were Oh, judged. my goodness. Okay. okay, this is what we used to have to do at a very big fashion magazine to get people to attend our, inverted commas, awards ceremonies, is to tell them <laughs> they'd won to tell the agents they'd won before they... And they said, well, we're not showing up on it. So to get the big bums on the seats, we had to tell How them... How big that... were these bums? Oh, well, they were seats. tiny bums. They were really tiny bums, but <laughs> the they big, were tiny big kahunas. <laughs> big tiny bums. <laughs> but can you believe that? So any award, when you see someone go, thank you so much for... You, their agents have been told they've won. So the voting goes out the window, may I just say. <laughs> Not with us. That. Not with us that at Podcast no Radio. That actually, explains, that actually explains why when they do get these award ceremonies, the people who haven't won look so bitter because presumably you had to tell everybody <laughs> that they won. And then on the night exactly. when they discovered they hadn't won and they had their speech prepared, now what if they had a face like, well, looking like you when you think about your neighbours? <laughs> right. Well, we're that's good. We're good to go. That's Gosh, it. What, what levels of crime? We're, so we cover the whole gamut, don't we? Today it's been quite sort of petty crime and money laundering. Fascinating I stuff. I, th- I think money laundering is fascinating, and I, th- I think petty crime can be just as interesting as the big time crime. I've I know you like some sex money in my crime. time. I know you're obsessed with sex crime. <laughs> that's and very murder. accusatory. And murder. Sex crime and murder. Um, you- Mm. You're only interested in big criminal bums on seats. Mm, yeah, well, the thing is, you have to lure them with the, in a honey trap, like you said. <laughs> honey trap. <laughs> right. Well, well done. And, and here's to more awards. Yeah. I raise my glass to more empty awards. Bye. Bye, everyone. Let me finish. You did not let me finish. You did not let me finish. I know it's time to go.